Thank you. You may be seated. Welcome to worship here at the auditorium at 3rd. Glad that you're here. If you were not with us last week, I want to do a real quick recap. We are in the second week of a series that we're calling Healthy Relationships. And as the executive team put together kind of the plan this year, you know, we think of relationships as um, in, in kind of, sometimes I think we think of it kind of a box, that there's this, this way that, that life is supposed to go. And, and we tend to think about relationships in the box of what is uh, most common. And we wanted to step back and look at relationships in a little bit more, uh, if you could, uh, thematic way. Now, let's begin, first of all, just I want to give you a quick background, all right? First of all, uh, could we get the uh, core values graphic up here? We started here last week as well. If you don't know or not, this is the core value uh, graphic for Third Church. This has been developing over several years, and this has been the guiding force of every sermon series that we've had over the last several years ties back to these core values. Now, if you'll notice, that we've got a circle here, and we've got four core values. In the center, in the hub, is our ends policy. We call it, that's at the core of it, word and spirit. We believe that God's word, this great story is the authoritative word of God by which we believe and our lives are empowered to live for him. But we also believe in the indwelling Holy Spirit that works through us. So word and spirit. And then around the outside, we want to identify, know who we are in Christ. We talked about that last week. We want to have a sense of belonging, that we are created for deep connection with others. That then feeds our purpose because each one of us who are a believer in Christ, a disciple of Jesus, we, our lives, very lives, our ministry, we touched on that last week as well. We're sent with significance for kingdom impact to wherever we are in our circles of influence, work, home, uh, community, what have you. And then intimacy, created for a deep connection with God. And this just continues to flow around and around and around and around, kind of like the, uh, the Trinity that we talked about last week. And then on the outside, notice there that the, it, the result of all of this is that we flourish in love. Now, I want you to understand that when we say flourish in love, the only thing we're talking about is the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, where it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, thoughtfulness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. We're not talking about being healthy, wealthy, and wise. We're not talking about flourishing with materialism. We're not talking about flourishing in the American dream. We are talking about simply that our lives flourish and bloom with increasing measure of those fruits of the Spirit, by which then our we have the opportunity to transform those around us, okay? So last week then, where we began, and if we can go to the graphic from last week, got me explain this, it's kind of confusing here if you weren't here last week. By the way, I, it's amazing a number of people that don't under, uh, realize that you can listen to every Sunday's auditorium service 
Uh, we have a third church has a podcast. You can go to Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite podcast uh, platform. You should be able to find, look for third church and there's a feed from there. Every week, you can go to trcpella.com, click on media, and both the messages in the sanctuary and in the auditorium are there on video and audio. You can also follow Third Church's YouTube uh, channel. And again, every auditorium message, every sanctuary message are out there on YouTube. So I really encourage you, if you weren't here last week, to go out and listen to last week's uh, message. So if you look in the back there, we couple uh, over the last couple years, we've touched on the, the Trinity, the circle of love the perichoresis, the circle dance, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so this icon by, uh, by Rublev is, we talked about last week, is a picture, an image of the Trinity sitting at the table. And we learned last week that there was, in the original um, icon that Rublev created, there's a little square there at the bottom, right above the word transformation. And art historians believe that that was a mirror. So as as people would stand and look at the icon, Rublev wanted them to understand and see themselves. That in that gap between the, uh, the Father and the Holy Spirit there at the bottom, there's this gap at the table. Where's that? Who's that for? That's for me. That's for you. We are invited to the table. And when we become one with Christ, we are invited into the Trinity. We are one with God. God is one with us. Just as Jesus is one with the Father, so we are one with Jesus, who is one with the Father. As the Spirit indwells us, we become one with God. And so these four circles represent the circle of love that we, as followers of Christ, as disciples of Christ, we are part of this union. Now, the four levels here are something that we've talked about over the last uh, several years as well. It's just a, an idea of how we look at life. We have ourselves, our, what we think about, our lives, our hearts, our spirits. That's level one. And so my relationship with Christ in and of myself, that oneness. So then level two are my relationships in the circles of influence. So every person that I come in contact with, that I have a relationship with, that's my circle of influence, my community. And so that's level two relationships. Level three are the institutions, the kingdoms of this world. The institutions I interact with, government and finance and commerce and school and community and whatever it might be. Those, all the institutions of the kingdoms of the world. Even, even church denominations are an institution of the kings of, kingdoms of this world. Okay? We have to differentiate between the organic, uh, universal body of Christ, that is the church, and the institutions of church that are really just kingdoms of this world. And then ultimately we have level four, which is the kingdom of God. What we talked about last week is that as we become one with the circle of love, we come to understand that Christ came, so you follow the white arrow there, Christ came from level four down to level one to have a relationship with you and me. And in the transformation that takes place when we come into relationship with Christ, it changes then our relationship with our circles of influence. And as more and more people are transformed and all the circles of influence are transformed, 
by the love of Christ and the fruits of the Spirit, that turns the world upside down. Entire communities, entire nations turned upside down by the work of the Spirit of God. That happens through what? Individuals. And individuals and communities. And God's plan was for us to be ambassadors of level four on levels one, two, and three. So now I want to take this kind of to the next step and talk about God's love. So we're going to go to 1 John chapter 4. That's the text we're going to stick in today. Chapter 4 of 1 John. If you don't have a Bible, we'd like to follow along. Uh, there's a rack of Bibles right there by the sound uh, box back there in the center uh, aisle. So you can get up right now if you want. Just go grab one. Feel free to do that. And as you're turning to 1 John chapter 4, you know, I, I want to just say as I think about our auditorium family, one of the things that I love about our auditorium family, and I love being a part of this family of believers, is that I know, I know so many of your stories. Um, not all, but I know a lot. And I recognize that in this room, there is just a diverse set of experiences. And can I just confess, and can we be honest about it? There is a diverse amount of brokenness that, that we, just in our, in our collective life journeys. In this room, there is, you know, there's everything. You know that there, in the life of this auditorium family, and Wendy and I have been attending here in the auditorium since the beginning, we've had three members of our auditorium family that have gone to jail. Two for sexual crimes and one for financial crimes. We have in this room struggles with addiction we have in this room stories of adultery and divorce and a brokenness, suicide. We have pain from physical ailments. We have people in all walks of every season of life. And when I come in this room and as Wendy and I pray for, for every person in the auditorium family, I'm just struck by the stories and by by where each of us come from. And as Wendy and I attended the Faith and Sexuality Conference this week, and I heard from others as we talked about it, one of the things that came was probably the most um, impacting for a lot of people is that sexuality, and especially as we think about struggles with, um, with same-sex attraction and with um, sexual temptation is that we easily think of in terms of black and white, evil and good, godliness and ungodliness. And what the conference did for, for us and for many others is to realize how complex of an issue that it really is. Because we're dealing with people who have diverse stories and come from diverse places. 
and yet Christ is wanting them. Can we put the, the Trinity graphic back up? And we can just leave that up there because I'm going to refer back to it several times. Christ is inviting all into this circle of love. And we are called then to become ambassadors of that love. So today's theme is very simple. This week and next week, and Kathy's gonna be with us next week, we're gonna talk about the fact that God is love. So as we think about relationships, whether you are uh, in a situation of singleness, whether you're in a situation of marriage, whether you're in a situation where you're, uh, you're a widow or a widower, in a situation where you've been divorced and remarried, maybe second or third marriages, and you've got all this path of brokenness. No matter where we're at in our intimate relationships, we all come to Christ in our brokenness because God loves us. God loves you. And if you have come from a place in your life of condemnation and judgment, where the God that you were taught in your family or in the church of origin, whatever it is, is all about fear, condemnation, threats, judgment, that's not the God who is revealed in Scripture. So let's go to 1 John chapter 4. We're going to begin at verse 7. Okay? Three things for our, my note takers. Here's three things that I want us to understand in this. One, God is the source. <laughs> Two, the Trinity is the blueprint. And three, Jesus is the example. God is the source. The Trinity is the blueprint. Jesus is the example. John writes to his fellow believers and followers of Christ, and he says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. God is the source, right? God is the source. Love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whomever does not love does not know God. In other words, now we're, we're moving into the fruit of the Spirit. If you know God, if you are one with the circle of love, if the Holy Spirit has indwelt you and you are one in Christ, and Christ is one in you and you with the Father and the Holy Spirit is in you, then that love is going to pour through us to others. God is the source of love. Okay? And it is possible for people to inherently understand aspects of that love. Why? Because we're each created in the image of God. And because God has made everything about himself known through creation. So it's Romans 1.20 if you want to look that up. And so some people have this understanding of love not even knowing what the source is or not acknowledging what the source is. But that love pours through us, and whoever does not love does not know God. In other words, if my life is exemplified not by love, but by the opposite of love, 
then what did Jesus say? By their fruit, you're gonna know them. So now we're gonna go back to the fruit of the Spirit. And in Galatians chapter five, we had a whole series on this. Again, because it's, it, we're just going through, we're hitting this. It's all about our core values. It's all about these relationships and flourishing and love. Galatians 5, verses 19 uh, and 20 says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. But the fruit of the Spirit, says verse 22, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, and we learn in that series on the fruit of the Spirit that, that in the original Greek language, there's an argument to be made that there should be a, a, a colon after love. The fruit of the Spirit is love, colon, <laughs> which means Joy, peace, patience, kindness, because all of those are just demonstrations of love. So love is the source. So when John is saying here, everyone who, has, ha, uh, who loves has been born of God and knows God, if we are exemplifying the fruit of the Spirit in its true, pure, flourishing form, that is flowing through us from this circle of love relationship. If, however, my life is filled with the acts of the flesh, then that's not coming from love. And in the Sermon on the Mount, that's what Jesus said about the Pharisees, by their fruits. You know them. Why? Because the Pharisees' lives were marked by what? Judgment, hatred, discord, envy, jealousy, anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, conflicts, factions. That was the fruit in the religious leaders' lives. And Jesus said, that's not coming from this circle of love. One of the things that we have to admit, though, I'm gonna step back now as we think about healthy relationships. Because it's easy to read this, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, and all of us go, yeah, because that doesn't pertain to me at all. And it ends with drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I haven't been to an orgy. Doesn't apply to me. And we skip the things in between. Hatred. Ooh, who do I hate? Discord, where are the conflicts in my life? And the unresolved conflicts. Jealousy, who am I really jealous of and what they have? What they make, how they live, where they live, what they drive. Fits of rage, anger, rage. Anybody been angry this week? Anybody gone off <laughs> in the car alone <laughs> when somebody cut you off? Selfish ambition. What is it you're looking for? For yourself? 
or for others. Dissensions, factions, envy. I really envy that person. I want what they have. See, those bring it on back to home. So even in those things, if that's what's really coming out in my life as other people interact with me, then am I living out of the circle of love, or do I even know God? Do I have an intimate relationship with him? Am I operating in this relationship or not? Let's keep going. So whoever does not know love does not know God, for God is love. Now, let's understand this. Love isn't just come from God. God is love. It is his essence. God is love. Love is him. Everything that flows out of God is love because that's who he is. Verse 9, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. From level four, he came down to level one and became a human, just like us, to live among us on levels one, two, and three, so that he could understand and feel our pain so that he could die a death on a cross and die the death that we deserved. That's why he came. Philippians chapter two, verses three through eight, says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility, value, and if you're taking notes, I would just say, underline that, others above yourselves. Not looking out to your own interests, but to each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, whatever relationship that is, have the same mindset as Christ, who being in the very nature God did not consider, and I want you to circle that word if you're looking along in your Bible, did not consider equality with God something to be used. So he's up on level four, and he said, I'm not going to consider equality and my standing in the circle of love something to be clung to, but I am going to empty myself coming down to earth on level one, made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and as he lived his life on earth on levels one, two, and three, he became obedient even to death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and taken him back up into heaven where he sits at the right hand of God the Father. From thence he shall judge, come to judge the quick and the dead. Now, if you notice in, in Philippians, the word there, both in verse three for value, in humility, in humility we are supposed to value others above ourselves, and that Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, those come from the same Greek word. Hegemonia. Um, Hegemonia. And it is... The same word that is used in the tattoo that Wendy has on her forearm from James 1, 2, which we also worked to memorize here a year or two ago. Consider it all joy when you encounter various trials, knowing the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And one of the things that Wendy and I learned about that verse as we walked through our path of infertility many years ago 
was that sometimes joy doesn't just flow naturally until we consider it. The word there, consider, also means to esteem, to, to raise up, to consider it something good and worthwhile. And as you're walking through a trial, whatever that might be, there are times where we have to literally stop ourselves and say, you know what, I'm going through all of this and life really is crappy right now, but I am going to consider what? I'm going to value, I'm going to esteem everything that I'm going through. I'm going to consider it all joy knowing that whatever this is I'm going through is helping me to become more like Christ. We have to consider to esteem. So when Jesus said he didn't esteem being God in heaven on level four, he let go of that and came down. Why? Because he considered and esteemed you in your sin. So we are supposed to approach others with that same attitude. You know what, I don't, maybe I don't like you, <laughs> I struggle with you, we don't have, I don't like the way you live, I don't like the way you act, I don't like the way you are, we are personalities clash, whatever, but I am to not consider myself and my ambitions and my thoughts and my desires I am to esteem the other. Consider others before you even consider yourself. Why? Because that's Jesus' example for both you and me. So let's keep going. Not that we love God, but he loved us, sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we should love one another. Here we go again. God loved us down on level one, so we now are going to love others on level two because we have been prompted by his love. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. So there we are back to the circle of love. As we love, as we experience his love and his love flows through us, it, it's an evidence of the flourishing, that we are part of this oneness in the circle of love. Verse 13. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us, for he has given us his spirit. We're back to the circle of love. He's in us, we're in him. Why? Because he's given us a spirit. His spirit is living in us. What's the evidence of that spirit? The evidence of that spirit is fruits of the spirit. Fruits of the Spirit. So when the Spirit is in us and our lives are increasing, not that we become perfect overnight, but we can see that as I grow in my relationship with Christ, the fruit of the Spirit is more evident in my life. And the gifts of the Spirit I am using to try and serve both the body of Christ and to those around me. That's evidence of God's Spirit in us. And we've seen and testified that Father has sent his Son to be Savior of the world. There we are, back again, the incarnation. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God, the oneness again. And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. Again, he's repeating it. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. There's the oneness again. Can you see how this is all 
fits together, it just keeps going over and over and over and over again. This isn't a hierarchical power down paradigm. This isn't a, a, a top down, I'm going to judge you so you better get your act straight. This is a bottom up, I'm gonna come to love you and I'm going to transform you through my love. He didn't come to condemn the world, but that to love the world, to die for those so that through him, the world would be reconciled to God. That's the paradigm. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence in the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. So there's, as Jesus is the example, here it is. As Jesus is the example, we are to be like Jesus. We follow his example in our relationships with others. Just like Jesus, I am not going to consider what I might naturally feel towards you, which could be hatred and dismissiveness, and I don't feel yucky, and I don't understand you, and I don't want to know you, and I don't, oh, I just can't handle it. I'm going to let go of that, and I am going to choose to flow love. I'm going to listen to your story. I want to understand where you're coming from. I wanna, I wanna treat with kindness and gentleness. That's the paradigm that he's trying to flow through us. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. So real quick, go back to verse 10. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. But we love to play with that, don't we? We love to play with the pretty sins and the ugly sins. That was one of the things that really came out in, our, in the conference this week. We as the church love to play the pretty sin, ugly sin game. My sins are pretty. They're the, they're the things that you don't really see. They're in the middle, that's crunched in the middle of the acts of the flesh. My sins are in there, but you can't really see them. But they're okay. But the sexual sins, or the addiction sins, or the whatever it might be sins, those are the ugly sins. And those we condemn. Those we judge. Those we put down. Those we can alienate, those people. Those people, did you hear that? Thank God that Jesus did not alienate those people because guess what? I'm one of them. James, remember when we did the book of James? James said um, that if we keep the whole law and commit one little sin, we are guilty of the whole thing. Therefore, when Jesus died for my sin and he redeemed me in my brokenness and all the crap stuff I've done in my life, it was his love and kindness that led me to repentance. So why 
would I take the loving kindness and patience and grace that Jesus has shown me and turn around and to somebody else say, well, you better get your act straight or you're going to hell. You are an abomination to the Lord. Do you not know that? Do you think that's going to win them over to Christ? We love because he first loved us. We are to be the example. In this world, we are like Jesus. There's no fear in love. And what's John getting at there? Perfect love drives out fear. And he even said this, uh, where he said, this is how love is made, verse 17, complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. When I stand on the day of judgment, I have confidence. Why? Because I've lived in unity with the circle of love. I've experienced his love and his grace. Don't approach the throne with fear. Why? Because the love of Christ has cast out that fear in my heart. And I am going to stand before the throne. And I am going to be one with the circle of love. And so why then do we take and try and instill the strategy of fear in others. Get your act right. You're gonna to go to hell. You're gonna be condemned. You're gonna, if you're doing these things, or these things, or these things, or these things, you're an abomination. You're awful. You're condemned. That's not the paradigm. Paradigm is, I wanna understand. I wanna hear your story. And I wanna tell you how what a sinner I was, and how God accepted me. How kind God was to me, so I want to be kind to you. That's the type of love that transforms somebody's life. It says in Romans that it is, is kindness that leads us to repentance. His kindness. So we are to be that example. Let's finish up here, verse 20. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a what? A liar. Who is the father of lies? Satan. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen, can't love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also flourish in that love, in the fruit of the Spirit, and love their brother and their sister and the others around them. So, consider, as we close, I'll ask the worship team to come on up. Five considerations I'd like to leave you with this morning. One, consider that my sin places me on a level playing field with every sinner known to humanity. Two, consider that Jesus' kindness and considering himself nothing and me everything coming to be the atoning sacrifice for my sin. Three, consider that God is love and and being one with love will naturally produce the fruits of love in my life, in my words, in my actions, in my relationships. Consider that kindness is meant to lead to repentance, 
Not anger, not hatred, not judgment or condemnation. Consider, number five, that Christ-likeness is to consider myself less and consider others more. Let's pray. God, as we think about our relationships, um, I just, number one, thank you for your example. Thank you that in the relationship that you wanted to have with me, with every person in this room, you gave the example. From the source of the Heavenly Father who is love, you provided the example by coming to earth and showing us the way that through love and the fruits of the Spirit, you want to reconcile us to God. And thank you that, that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit provide the, the blueprint for how we are to be with you and with one another. So help us to be increasingly in that. In the name of Christ.